Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jonah and Ben Play Board Games with Friends. I am Jonah, joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben. Hey. And today, we are talking about board games. On today's episode, it's going to be very free-flowing, very stream-of-consciousness. Not that it isn't always like that. But just the two of us today, I think we each played one game this past week. If you don't count video games, that's true. Yeah, so one game this past week, and it was a game we played together. I have a surprise topic that I'm going to bring up, and uh, we'll go with the flow. So let's talk video games first, Ben. Uh, So, yes. So as I don't know if we mentioned it to the listeners, but when I was in Florida, uh, you borrowed my PlayStation 4, and you played a lot of uh, Ghost of Tsushima which is a, a new game, newish game. It's not very new mm-hmm. at this point, but a newish game by uh, Sucker Punch. Um, and they made the infamous series of games. And basically, you play as this uh, samurai who survive, who's like the only one of the few survivors. I'm not very far into it, but from what I can tell, you're one of the few surviving samurai from a large battle with uh, Mongol Mongols. invaders. Yeah. And uh, I basically just spent the last day and a half playing this game, and I'm finally, like, getting into it. I I don't know why I waited so long since I got back from Florida. But uh, I did just unlock the the water stance, I believe it is. Whatever the Mm -hmm. third stance is. So you kill these leaders, and you unlock different combat stances, and they are effective against different types of enemies. It's a really cool system, because you could change stances, like, in the middle of a fight, and adapt to what enemies are coming at you um but yeah why did it take you so long to hop back into it ben because you know if it took you this long i could have finished it by now because i'm a lazy piece of garbage jonah (laughs) i'm a lazy piece of garbage i'm just glad you're enjoying it it's cool to be honest with you it probably has taken me so long because i've legitimately when i got back and with no job, I legitimately was playing disc golf like every single day of the week. So I think I was just doing that more than trying to play the video games. Um, but I recently suffered a minor injury, but I'm on the road to recovery. So I'm playing the video game while I can't play disc golf. Excellent. Uh, I've played disc golf the past four days in a row now, which is nice. But I really think I have to segue us perfectly based on the game that you're talking about. So you are playing as a samurai defending Japan from Mongol invaders, right? Yes. How fitting is that? Because the board game we played this week is Spirit Island, where we play as spirits defending our island from colonist invaders <laughs> what a what a segue that i almost ruined by talking more about disc golf oh atrocious anyway um we played spirit island this week which we have mentioned on the show before uh we played it online with our friend nick who has been on the show before and what percentage of the game would you say we completed ben based on how the turns were going we were probably about 75 percent through <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were getting uh our butts kicked yeah. But then what happened? What saved us from losing? Oh, uh, apparently my Steam decided that it didn't want to cooperate and completely disconnected me from the server. And even though it still showed me online, it wouldn't let me reconnect to the game. So that's right. basically so me. It's not a loss because you got kicked and we had to abandon the game. Yeah. What did you think of the game 
this time around? This was your second play, I think you said? Yeah, so I played this a long time ago, like when I first found that brewery uh board game group also just really quick i can't say the word brewery really like really sounds well. like you just said it i mean i say it but in my head i'm like going brewer it rhymes with jewelry okay whatever all i know is i played it at this brewery uh when i had the game nights there and i played it three players i i liked it then but i thought that it was like really really difficult and i still think it's really really difficult mm-hmm. um and now that we're now that you brought this game up, this was the game that I was texting you about yesterday that I had a really, really, really bad memory of because when you said multiplayer solitaire, uh, this was actually the game that I was thinking of. I just for some reason forgot that we played it this week. Mm. Um, but I I like the game, but I feel like if I were and I owned it and I sold it at the height of its like popularity back when it was like the new Kickstarter was coming out and. I really do like it. I think it's an interesting concept. I like the planning involved that you need to to be successful. But I feel like I would play this one solo and like almost only solo or two players max. I don't. When we played it with Nick in three players, you guys were doing an okay job of taking care of your chunks of the island here and there. And then my my side of the island was getting like overrun. But because you basically play this game where you focus solely on your aspect of the island, pretty much, it's like impossible to help each other. So you're literally just focusing on your own little bit. And it's to me, it was multiplayer solitaire, which is why I was thinking about that. Yeah, it's interesting. Just the way you described it now made me think of antiquity. And antiquity is definitely like starting on your own side of this giant map. You know, this is starting on your own segment of this island. And the big difference is that this is a cooperative game. So in Antiquity, I might not care what you do until round eight when we're next to each other, but in Spirit Island, you can lose me the game. Not which, which to I say in an upsetting way, but you know, it's weird to have this multiplayer solitaire aspect in a cooperative game when you should be working together, right? Yeah, and I do feel like I, I was the one losing you guys the game because... You guys, like I said, you and Nick were doing doing an okay job, and it's not that you were doing a great job from the start. You guys were having some trouble here and there, but you like were able to kind of chip away at the at the colonists that were coming in. For me, I just didn't plan well enough, and suddenly some of my like jungle territories were completely overrun, and we were gonna blight because there's a system in the game called blight where like if you take more than if you take two damage you put like a blight marker out and it kind of explodes a little like pandemic um and my whole side of the island was about to get blighted because i was not planning very well and i was going to lose you guys the game because i didn't plan ahead very well but i couldn't ask you guys for help because you focus on your part of the island so yeah and also you can't really reach the other parts of the island early on because you really start by yourself in your corner of your corner of the map yeah so but but again i feel like this game would be really really and i didn't get a chance but i feel like this would be a really really neat game to play solo because i think it's got that puzzle aspect that i really like yeah i really agree uh each time i have played it i have been a little bit confused which is not good and it's 100 percent my fault but i think 
I just need to play it solo and be responsible for doing all of the overhead for the invader's turn and stuff. Or else I'm just not going to fully get the system and know what to do. I don't think I don't think that it's all really on you though. This is a very asymmetric game where all right. of the spirits play completely differently. And they it, and they throw in like modules on top of it if you want to like add in specific countries that are invading right. with like different missions to do, which I've never played with, by the way. But I don't think it's all on you because I've played it before and even though it was a while ago, like I started to remember how it worked. But I feel like unless you pick the same spirit over and over again, it it doesn't really have a flow to it, at least for me, that makes it super easy to grasp each time. Yeah, and I think another really important thing to mention is that, you know, these spirits have such high levels of asymmetry. There are also maybe spirits that don't vibe with your play style. And, you know, if I like to play games a certain way, Let's say I like to really rush through a game and try and get this done to get to the next thing. And I'm playing as a spirit that does things really slowly and can't really work these combos together. That might even turn me off the game. And it's really just that spirit that I wasn't enjoying. Yeah, I think I don't know if you played with my spirit, which I think is Lightning Swift Strike or something like that. I don't know if you've ever tried mine. But based on what you just said, I think you would have really liked the spirit that I was playing because their use of resources, when you play cards, you gain resources that you can use for like innate spirit powers. Mm -hmm. My spirit's power was if you gain this, and I called it a purple pepper because I couldn't really tell what it was. It looked like a purple pepper. But for every purple pepper you get, you can you can turn your slow power into a fast power. So I think you would have liked that based on what you just said, because I was basically playing these cards that were slow but powerful, but they gave me purple peppers, and I was like, boom, 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 striking real mm-hmm. fast because I'm lightning type of deal. And I was, and I think that would have been something that you would have liked. Yeah, it's cool because you know I want to play it enough with the same spirit to understand the game and understand how that spirit works and then move on to another one. And I think solo, the beauty of playing it solo is you can play it solo as one spirit, or you can even play it solo as two spirits and really see how two of them work at the same time. Yeah, But that's a lot of overhead for one person, potentially. That's true. And the one thing that I will say, which is good, is since this is a game I see myself mostly playing solo, the fact that there is a really good tabletop simulator mod of it makes it so much easier for me because I would I would I think this is one of those games that's like it's a beautiful game and I would love to like own it again just to have it as part of my collection. But it won't get enough play to take up that shelf space. Mm-hmm. But I could definitely just hop on tabletop simulator for an hour and a half to two hours and just play a quick solo game where the game takes care of like half of the scripting effects for me, Mm -hmm. which is nice. So plus I don't feel as bad about doing that since I did at one point own the game. That's right. That's a good point. I should probably mention, since you said that we only played one game this week, I did also play Crokinole. I introduced a new player to Crokinole. Did they like it? I think so. Um, They told me that they wanted to take revenge on me at some point and get better and and play said game again. So Sounds I would, like they liked it then. I would say that was a success. And as always, I like it. And I like winning. 
even if the person's new. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm just, I'm going to take the win. So it counts. Yeah, that's what I say. Well, if Crokinole is in your future, what other games are you looking forward to playing again? That is mystery topic number one, Ben. What do you want to play in the future, in the near future? Oh, man. Putting me on the spot. Um, well, I would say for me, and it's a tough one to get people to play, and it's probably a solo game as well, but I did just receive a delivery of my Too Many Bones Trove Chest, which is a gigantic box just to hold all of my Too Many Bones content. I would love to try playing Too Many Bones again, because I had a really good time playing it, but it's definitely one of those that you have to play a lot to get uh, the hang of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've played it solo a couple of times, but now that I've got this box to store everything in one place, I'd like to give that a shot again soon. Mm-hmm. What about you? What about me? Um, you know, there's a game that I want to play, but I mention it every week, so I'm not going to mention it. But I uh, haven't played that in a couple months. Soul? Food Chain Magnate. Oh, I just per- I just assume you're in a perpetual state of wanting to play that game. So, yeah, I am. I mean, I haven't really been keen for a game in a bit, but you know, we've played so many other games this past like four or five months, and the last time I played was June, which is just about three months ago now. And for a game I quite like, you know, I'd like to give it another go. We haven't really tried all of the expansion content yet, so yeah, I still bring... feel there's stuff to explore. Got to bring in those fry cooks, dude. Yeah, we've done kimchi, we've done sushi, we've done noodles, but we so haven't done to, coffee yet. Just to just to bring the listeners up to speed here, because I feel like I've mentioned this fry chef almost every time we've <laughs> talked about food chain. Uh, when we when Jonah first got the expansion with all of these modules, we decided we were playing with like some of the new. Uh, I think it was the noodles. Yeah, so importantly, there are about, I think there are 11 or 12 modules that you can add to the game and you can mix and match. So we did, in fact, mix and match. Go on. Yes. And I, being me and doing my normal thing, didn't realize that Fry Chefs were a full module because it's just cards for people you can recruit and hire. So I spent a a good amount of time building up my... uh, my company structure to hire these fry chefs, which would allow me to like, what, what do they do again? I don't remember what the fry chefs I do. I think they just add fries to your order, which just yeah. gets you more money per sale. Yeah. So I, I've which isn't never that been much of good. an addition to the game. No. So, which is why I thought that we had included right. it. Cause it's just, it's just a simple little like, Oh, they give you a little more money per sale. So I was setting my entire company structure up around selling French fries with my meals. And then suddenly I'm like, boom. And I pick it out of a pile. That's very clearly at this point, not involved <laughs> in the cards being used in the game. And Jonah's yeah, like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> I tried to back you up by saying that it's not that much of an addition, but yeah, you just, Pulled it out of some other random deck <laughs> off to the side. Oh, yeah, I'm playing this card. Uh, we're not yep. using that today, Ben. Yep, so we still haven't used the Fry Chef, but I built my entire company around getting a Fry <laughs> Chef and learned very quickly that we weren't using it. So now I want to try using it just so that I can see what it does. But, yeah, that was a that was definitely a fun, a fun round of Food Chain, I remember very fondly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also in person. Back in the uh, good old days. Back in the good old days. Uh, I'm actually looking at my game collection online right now, so I could tell you exactly uh, what I would like to play. And some of these will not be a surprise to you. Um, 
The next one on my list, just really quickly while you're looking, because yeah. I know it's going to be on your list as well. Cerebria. Absolutely. I haven't played Cerebria in a while. We talked about it recently. It's the game that's basically like the movie Inside Out, where you are playing as different emotions, fighting for control of the human brain. And Cerebria, like many games, has an easy mode and a hard mode, which I generally like to categorize as an easy mode and a normal mode. So it's really like an intro mode to the game that leaves out a little bit of the asymmetry and leaves out a couple of the powers and I think some card stuff as well. Anyway, we've played Cerebria, I think, two or three times with just the intro mode. And I think it's quite neat, and I'd like to give it a go with the full mode. And it is soloable, but I don't know if I want to spend 40 minutes setting up a game that has an 11-page solo rulebook. Yeah, and along those <laughs> lines, same company, Anachrony, we've played the normal normal being the base version of the game so so many times now. I would definitely like to give that another go, but using An expansion. the modules. Yeah. Yeah. Because we haven't done that. Um, yeah. So the the next thing that comes to mind, and I'm I'm basically going based off of things that get get put fresh in my mind just because of either expansions I've ordered or things that come in for the games. But I am very 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 happy to say that I finally got in every single piece of content for Mythic Battles Pantheon. The dream has I, come true. The dream has come true. I was two expansions short for the longest time and i won an auction on ebay for one of the two expansions that i was missing and what's interesting is they were they were sold as a set during the kickstarter because the one i got at auction includes the gameplay content for the miniature that comes in the other expansion then out of nowhere, I just go on, and I'm pretty sure it's like one in the morning at this point, and I'm just like up on my phone, and I go on eBay, and for some reason it's listed under international sellers, but I found the other miniature that I was missing, shipping from the U.S. with free shipping for thirty dollars. Buy it now, and I'm like, oh, I need it, I need it, I need it, and I like bought it at like one thirty in the morning, and I was like, this sense of relief just flooded over me because I finally got everything for the game. Um, so I would love to play Mythic Battles again. And I know that there's a really good tabletop simulator mod that someone's actually done 3D scans of painted miniatures. So a lot of, like, the big heroes are painted 3D minis in the, in the mod. So I think, uh, that one's fresh on my mind, too, to play. Mm -hmm. And now for the enhanced question. Mm -hmm. What is a game that you would like to play in the near future that you don't own? Ooh. If you have one at the top of your, at the tip of your tongue, go for it, because that's going to take some thinking for me. Sure, so I have, I have two that come to mind right now that are basically the same thing. Um, I want to give Age of Steam another go, a game that we played together that we didn't realize was going to take three hours. <laughs> I actually but, liked Age of Steam. Yeah, I thought it was really neat as well and i also want to try 1889 again sometime just uh you know those are kind of event games they're going to take so long and the thing that i really liked about age of steam which i think i mentioned on the last episode or a few episodes ago was that the entire game 
takes place on the same board, which is to say that no one has an individual player board. And I think we should dive into this topic further later on when we have actually thought about it and done some research. But I think it's really cool when everything happens in the same on the same board because we have all these games where you have an individual player board or you have a hand of cards or you have all this stuff that you're managing in front of you, which means you have to pay attention to the stuff in front of others and the stuff on the board. But in Age of Steam, everything happens on the same board. You see everyone else's income. You see everyone else's uh, turn order markers. You see everyone else's special action. And I think it's really a great testament to the design that everything can be put on one board and everyone's engaged in the same area throughout yeah i would i would agree with that and i think that's a really good topic of discussion once we like you said research a little bit further um just to see what game because it's it's hard to find games like that now or at least based on what we've played um And I've come up with two now that I've I've thought about it a little bit. And one of them you own, but don't currently own. And I did just mention it before, and it's Soul. Um, I would like to try Soul again, because I only played it the one time, but I thought it was neat. And I'd like to give it another shot. And then the other one is a big one. And it's, it's just solely because I'm looking for something along these lines during a pandemic when it's probably easier to get a group together. Um, I'd like to try Gloomhaven again. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I played it once or twice, but I couldn't make it to the campaign that my uh, my friend, well, Patrick, I don't need to even say my friend at this point, that Patrick was running. Um, and I, I don't know. I know that there's a really, really good tabletop simulator version of it, and I'd, I'd like to give Gloomhaven another, another shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the two that like spring to mind just because I'm on BGG and Gloomhaven is like always at the front of BGG. So brought it right back. Yeah, that and uh, Frosthaven coming out soon, right? Yeah, and I was I was contemplating actually going through with backing Frosthaven, but again, I don't think I'd be able to get a physical group together to the point where it would be worth me actually buying Frosthaven. Mm-hmm. The other game that I want to play, but this is just back to earlier games that we own, I'd like to play Dominant Species again. Uh, I still think it's really neat, and there is a mod on Tabletop Simulator, but I do not want to play that game on Tabletop Simulator. There are so many bits, and it's also like a guaranteed three-and-a-half-hour game, I'd say. Yep. So. Yeah, I think I realized after one of the recent heavier-style games we played, but I did say it while we were playing, that I... I've come to realize that I don't think Tabletop Simulator is the best for heavy games mm-hmm. that have a lot of bits to move around. And I don't think that's a fault of the of the system. It's just it's easier to move a lot of stuff around by With hand. <laughs> and also to pay attention what other what other to what other people are doing. Because I yeah. find on Tabletop Simulator, I don't see somebody's hand picking something up and putting it on the board. So if I'm not looking for what their little cursor is doing, I might miss what they've done, and then it might come back to bite me at a later point in the game. So I would agree on Dominant Species being an offline experience, but I would definitely be down to play it again. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Uh, I can tell you 
if we're doing like a stream of consciousness type thing here, yeah, I can tell it. you a game that I own that I want to play two because okay, I'll make it three because they're all in a similar category. One of them or two of them I've never played before. One of them you and I played, but I'd like to try it again because I'm in a kick for this uh, this IP. Uh, War of the Ring. Mm-hmm. I'd like to give War of the Ring another shot. Uh, and along those lines, I really want to try uh, Star Wars Rebellion, which I own but haven't played yet. I've heard that's quite good. I have as well. And it's pretty similar to War of the Ring, where these games are two-player-only games. And in in the case of War of the Ring, one person plays as uh, evil, essentially, and one plays as the free peoples, which is good. And they would... It's like a little bit of hidden movement where you're trying to get the ring uh, to Mordor and throw it into Mount Doom, but I'm trying to find you throughout the game. Um, and it's similar in Star Wars Rebellion where one one group or one player is playing as the Empire and the other is playing as the Resistance, I think are the two fans. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, so I don't know the names exactly. But um, basically... The Empire is trying to find the Resistance base on various planets throughout the solar system, uh, or the universe, I guess, because Star Wars can jump between worlds. Um, And it's a little bit of hidden movement in there as well. Uh, So I'd like to give that game a shot. And then the other one, which is in a a similar vein of just being two players, is uh, Claustrophobia. Mm -hmm. Um, I still haven't played it. I bought it on Kickstarter way back, uh, Monolith who was one of the peop- one of the companies that assisted in making mythic battles released claustrophobia a reprint of an older game but what they did which was neat was they produced the entire game 10,000 copies i believe it was and they released it on kickstarter shipping within 2 weeks and using kickstarter as a straight pre-order like that there was only one pledge level for x amount of money and they would ship it in the order that your order was received, like a store. I don't know why they did it, but they tried doing it. And it, it's got that dice placement that you, Greg and I talked about, but I mm-hmm. haven't played it yet. Um, and it's one player is playing as like the demons of hell. And the other player is playing as the forces of good that are trying to like escape the, the catacombs of hell, essentially. And, it's got these multi-use cards, which can be played for power-ups or to increase your dice. Um, but what's neat is, like, if you take damage as a hero, um, you have to cover up, like, a place that you can allocate your dice. So it, like, reduces your abilities throughout the game. So it seems like a neat back and forth. And uh, I've wanted to play it for a while, and I know Patrick has the original version. And mm-hmm. he said he'd be willing to give it a shot, but... I don't know if there's a mod for it online. Uh, so as of right now, it just sits there looking beautiful on my shelf. All right. Excellent. It's a, it's a lot of talking right there, but now that we're doing stream of consciousness, I won't shut up. It's encouraged. All right. Are you ready for mystery topic number two? Always. Maybe I'll come up with one eventually. <laughs> Maybe. I'll uh, I'll be ready if you have one. Mystery topic number two is Kickstarter delays. In the age of COVID. Oh, yeah. Here is my comment. I am not bothered by delays within reason 
and my within reason is a lot larger of a reason a wider margin of reason who knows anyway um you're more yeah, lenient of... with your reason there it is that's how you speak the english language uh there are a lot of delays going on in the kickstarter world and they are not all related to covid in fact quite a few of them have nothing to do with covid and i'm finding that i don't really care right now and the obvious reason is because we're not meeting up in person to play games right now so ben what do you have coming in that is coming in super delayed and are you less bothered than you would otherwise be first off let me pull up my damn list and <laughs> let me tell you right off the bat if you can't tell from my tone it very much depends on the game but i will say there are a few that i'm very bothered by and others that i'm not bothered by at all um the big one which i'm pretty sure i've discussed in the past that i am bothered by is definitely black rose wars mm -hmm. um black rose wars is made by ludus magnus studios and the reason that i'm annoyed is because they are continuously using COVID as an excuse when they were already over a year late on their delivery period. And then because COVID has increased shipping costs, which I mean, it has, they asked backers for more money to deliver their games in a timely manner saying, we can't afford to ship your games because of the rise in costs from COVID. Now to me, I'm fine with them just saying, Hey, we have a delay um it is what it is i you can't really do too much about it at this point i anticipate covid at this point delaying a lot of things mm -hmm. my issue is when you come in already a year late at which point you've delayed your own game into the covid period and now you're asking me for more money because the shipping prices went up because you couldn't ship on time right. that that annoys me now, I paid the $15 they were asking because I want to be done with this. I want the game. I don't, I don't want it to be delayed however many months it might be until they have enough money to send it, so I just paid the money. Other games, I'm not really too pressed on. Mm -hmm. Anachrony's been delayed a bit. I don't know if that's necessarily due to COVID, but it's been delayed for various reasons. Not a big deal. Especially because um, it looks so awesome. Oh my god, it looks with incredible. The updates. It looks absolutely incredible. Um, for the, I would say v the vast majority of delays that are due to COVID, I don't really mind for the same reason that, that you mentioned. It's just the ones where they were already delayed for a long time, and then COVID pushed it back further because those delays were on them before COVID started. Um, and, and obviously, if a creator is not communicative, I won't. I won't give them the benefit of the doubt regardless. So there are games that I have that, like the Ever Rain, which I was, I am still really in love with the whole concept of the Ever Rain. Um, and I saw it at PAX and I loved it. Literally just sent their first, just sent their first update out in like three months, saying, "Hey, we don't want any feedback on this rule book in terms of spelling and whatnot because that's done. But tell us how the layout looks." But they didn't mention a single thing about how production is going. And things like that bother me. Right. 
yeah, it's understandable. It's, I mean, with Black Rose Wars, I would not be thrilled either when their own mistakes cause delay to happen into something else and then just domino effect. Yeah, and just really quickly on Black Rose Wars, I was going to bring it up as one of the games I want to play again because I actually really enjoy the game, like the base game. I think it's a great game. I really like it. It's just like this little bit has gotten me tired of like the company. So I just want the rest of the game so that I'm done with the campaign. Right. I mean, long Kickstarter delays can also kill the hype. You know, yeah. you might not really be that interested in a game if it comes in super, super, super late. Yeah. Is there anything you're waiting on that uh, has been delayed? Um, I mean, the main thing that I really want to have is something that I just really want to play. But with the pandemic, it's not going to happen for a long time. So I know exactly you know, what you're talking Blood about. on the Clock Tower is delayed quite a fair bit. And assuming Jessica and I do, in fact, move out of New Jersey next summer, I really don't want to have to figure out Kickstarter delivery after that. So, I mean, I'm not really backing anything on Kickstarter new for the next, I think, year, really, because I don't know where we're going to be. And also, I'm just not looking for much. You know, the the few things I that I have backed in the past, like, eight months have been things that I knew about ahead of time, not many impulse purchases. The only impulse Kickstarter was Lucky Duck Dice, and I'll defend that, because how can you not want <laughs> uh, rubber ducky dice? <laughs> you think they float? Oh, that's a good question. We'll have to test it out. I wonder if you can squeeze the dice and they squeak. That I don't think will be happening. No? No. Well, anyway, Blood on the Clock Tower, super delayed. I'm not as bothered as the people on Kickstarter are, but uh, Kickstarter comments are A good Twitter time. comments <laughs> with monetary incentives yeah. and fewer bad words. Depends on, the, depends on the campaign. Right. I mean... Twitter comments on things can just be totally horrendous. And I think the anonymity, a word I haven't said in a long time, which I might be mispronouncing, uh, I think that can really exacerbate the issue of how vile of a person you can be on Twitter. But with Kickstarter, people want something that they paid for. So they have to walk the fine line between being incredibly rude and still wanting what's coming. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm, to be honest, I'm not as bothered by Kickstarter comments as I am by Twitter, for example, because there is a monetary incentive. I mean, you paid right. money for something, and I understand getting frustrated about it. Now, attacking, Some people don't know how to be nice, though. Yeah, like it's attacking insane. creators, etc. It does get pretty pretty wild on some some campaigns. And I have seen, and this is kind of, to me, this is a little nuts, but I, I understand it. But if it gets to be enough of a form of harassment, some companies have booted people off of their Kickstarters. Right. And, that's what I love about Kickstarter. You can, if someone's mean enough to you, that's a backer. You can say, oh, you don't like us anymore. Well, here's your money back. Yeah. You're not getting this anymore. Yeah which I've seen happen, and it's pretty crazy when it does. But uh, luckily, I've never been in that boat. I have definitely posted some, I wouldn't say aggressive, I would say more like uh, pointed, I guess is a good way to put it, comments that 
I think have been used, I've used to point out disappointment, but I haven't, I don't think been outright aggressive toward any creators or backers. I don't think it's worth it. Um, right. But I definitely want to get a point across that a company is doing something very disappointing. So I've, I use the comments for that. Uh, I, I've come up with a mystery topic just because it's something that I would like to talk about, and I know that I do it more than you, but um, are there any... Yeah, go for it. I was just going to say, this mystery topic is going to be the last one of the show, because I have to go play Subnautica with Jessica in a little bit. <laughs> okay, no problem. This one should be quick, because I, like I said, I know I do this more than you, but are there any... I would like to discuss uh, like components in games. And oh, man. If, if there are games you own that you wish you could upgrade some components toward or like what components you like that you can get upgraded. Like I know that you don't upgrade your components as much as I do in terms of blinging out your games, but is there like some sort of component that you see out there that you're like, Oh, I really wish that I would be able to get this, but you don't necessarily want to spend the money on it type of deal. So I have two, assuming we're excluding inserts, and metal coins, because I have a couple of 3D printed inserts thanks to you, and I have metal coins for like two games. Um, I have two upgraded components. I have all the little bits and bobs for dominant species, and I have a wooden pyramid for camel up. <laughs> what is that? What I'm pretty sure it's camel up. Camel up. You gotta pronounce the C that's in parentheses um, that I was given for Chris Mahana Kwanzaa recently. So I clearly don't upgrade my components that often. Um, I haven't really looked at any of my games and thought, man, I wish I could have an upgraded version of this. I've seen some cool stuff online, but none of it has really uh, screamed at me, I guess. I don't know. Like in Food Chain Magnet, you can buy upgraded pizza and soda food pieces, but I have no qualms with normal wooden pieces in board games. Um, in What else is there? I don't have any games with a lot of... Oh, in Tolkien, people buy like little resin pieces of corn instead of the corn cardboard chits. But that just sounds like a real pain to do that as money. So, yeah, I mean, I tend to shy away from games that the components turn me off of already, which I think lends to not upgrading the components of the games that I have, because I'm already not buying the games that I wouldn't want to play due to horrible components. But, I mean, I think the my main upgraded component that I think is great is the Iron Clays, which are just poker chips. It's just nice board game poker chips that you can use for tons of games. Yes, and you have the special deck of cards from them. Yes. But yeah, I think tons of games have like paper money or a little crappy cardboard money. And I think it does enhance the experience to play with these cool poker chips. It's also easier to use than paper money. But uh, yeah, those are my long-winded stream of consciousness thoughts on components. And now it's your turn. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely am the type of person who likes to upgrade components uh, to the point where I would go seeking out 
component upgrades for games that don't even need them. Um, shout out to topshelfgamer.com for supplying my scythe <laughs> addiction early in, in my early gaming days. Um, but yeah, for games, for, for example, for scythe, I have all of the resin component upgrades. So it took the plain looking wooden uh, oil barrels and food and it upgraded them to three-dimensional resin pieces. Oh, I actually now, had those too. Those are really cool. Yeah, they were sweet. I mean, things like like those resin components were sweet. And to me, and here here's a caveat, I guess, for my upgrading for pieces like that. If there's no insert that will fit those those new pieces, new pieces, I will not buy those pieces. Because, for example, Tolkien, where are you going to put three-dimensional pieces of corn? They're yeah, so no much idea. bigger than two-dimensional cardboard pieces. Mm -hmm. So for me, if the insert's not going to hold these bigger, chunkier pieces, it's going to make it difficult for me to store. I'm not going to enjoy it uh, as much as if there's like a nice insert. Um, definitely metal coins for me, but we're excluding that. I love metal coins so much. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and then I think for me, the big one, that's kind of been a surprise, but after buying it for Scythe, I really liked it, uh, were the meeple source painted meeples. I don't even know if they're painted or hand or mm -hmm. like screen printed, but that's the component upgrade that you and I both have for dominant species. And what you were talking about for food chain, where there's like screen printed imagery on the wooden tokens. So mm -hmm. it will make your pizza look like pizza. For Scythe, it makes your workers look like little people. Um, and I have the upcoming version that's going to cover all of Raiders of the North Sea. I backed that on Kickstarter, so I'm going to have painted Vikings and stuff. It's going to be really cool. Sweet. Um, just, I'm glad you mentioned the dominant species thing again. The times that I have done this component upgrade, I, th I have done it because I think it greatly enhances play. Because with dominant species, the normal pieces are cones and cubes, and Those if you're so hard to pick up, yeah, honestly. And if you're looking at the map, and you see a yellow cone with two white cubes, one black cube, and three green cubes around it, you have no idea what that is saying. But with the upgraded pieces, you'll see a large butterfly, two small spiders, a snake, and three monkeys. And you say, oh, I totally understand who is present on that hex. So I think that the upgraded components that speak to me are the ones that really enhance gameplay. Because I don't care too much how a game looks if you can parse it when you play it. Yeah, and I actually never even thought about that. But now that you mention it, that is probably the biggest quality of life increase in a specific game I could think of. Yeah. For a upgraded component. Now that yeah. I think about it. Cause like the thing that I was getting at with the food chain one is, you know, if I see a red piece of wood in the shape of a Coke bottle, I know it's a piece of soda. If I see a thing that looks like a slice of pizza, I know it's representing pizza. So I don't feel the need to get a nicer painted piece of pizza to show me what I already know. Yeah, I agree. Now that doesn't stop me from looking and saying, oh my god, I really want those pieces because it makes a pizza look like pizza. But I definitely agree, you can play Food Chain no problem without it, and it won't affect anything. 
Right. But definitely helps to have the animal shapes for dominant species. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for indulging my mystery, uh, mystery topic. Of I course. Any other quick ones jump to your mind or shall we call it for this short, relaxed no, I, episode? I think, I think that was really all I had this week for a nice little bit of, uh, just some talking points, I think was an excellent one. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. I hope you join us next week when we talk about, I don't know yet. So Ben and I will talk about that. Maybe we'll have someone else on and it'll be a good time. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Louisa, for the great music throughout and have a good one.